Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, the podcast where two lifelong San Francisco Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while enjoying homemade cocktails. I'm your host, Ben Henry, alongside my co-host and brother, Matthew Henry. Say, I love my brother, Matthew. I love my brother. (laughs) Uh, yeah, let's see. Today is Sunday, June 13th, as we record this podcast. The Giants went a somewhat, uh, well, I guess it was somewhat surprising, three and three, because it could have been a lot worse for the week to bring their record to 40 and 24. 40 and 25. Yes, they have a one game lead over the uh, LA Dodgers in the National League West, and they have the best record in the National League. Um, I almost got through that without um, twisting up my words and stumbling and making a a moron out of myself. Yeah, well, I'm glad you didn't start today. Well, hope uh, springs eternal. Hope springs eternal. What is this right. episode fifteen? Episode fifteen, man. We are, we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, ironically, the same age as my twins, uh, who turned fifteen uh, yesterday. Wow. I should, wow. I'm no. I was no. going to say, wait, no, that's wrong, they, dude. They, they, they used to be fifteen. <laughs> they turned sixteen. <laughs> See, you're contagious. I'm getting it now from you. Uh, now we're going to find out but, if what? you're going to edit this out later, uh, and then if you do, I'm going to mention it in every podcast after this, <laughs> just so that you have to keep editing it out. All right, fair enough. You don't well, even know how old your own children are. I know they're they're sixteen. I know that because my son is on the verge of getting his driver's license. So. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. Wow. Well, and, and speaking of birthdays, you know, uh, you know, uh, someone else had a birthday here recently, uh, Ben. That's happy, right. Happy birthday. Uh, well, thank you. I know you're thank considerably you. older than 16. I'm 29. Uh, that's right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I've reached that age where where I have to like up it by another 10 years. Well, probably like 20 years, which is funny because I'm not I'm not 20 years older than that. <laughs> but I look at. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did just have my birthday. Yeah, I well, ha- happy birthday. I hope it was a good Thank one. You. I, I, uh, I so I want to ask you, you know, did you have a birthday cocktail and then segue into what are you drinking tonight? Oh, Wow. Well, okay, so I, I don't know if this is like where we really get into let to let the listeners get into you know our inner lives, but uh, did I did I have a cocktail on my birthday? Of course, I had a cocktail. No, I didn't have a cocktail on my birthday, Matthew. I had cocktails on my birthday. I am an unabashed day drinker. On my birthday, I was a morning drinker. It was cocktails all day long. And, you know, because I can do this now, I actually went to a bar by myself. And I know that sounds sad and lonely, but actually it was just refreshing and amazing. I went back to one of my favorite places and I had, uh, I had, I, I, I had two birthday cocktails, I, you know, but, uh, and then, and then later, you know, did the family stuff and, and all that, but it was a really good day. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Nice. And well, what uh, are you so- drinking tonight? Wow, what am I drinking tonight? Tonight I'm drinking an old favorite that I had kind of forgotten about, which is kind of funny because it's got a really crazy name. I am drinking what is known as a monkey gland. (laughs) And and I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm going to go into a little bit of the history of the name of this cocktail. And then I'm going to let you decide whether or not you want to leave it in. Because by monkey gland... The gland that they're talking about is actually a monkey testicle. Of course. And <laughs> I don't I don't really know a whole lot about this, but apparently the cocktail was made in the 1920s during a period of which there was some doctor who was like famous for treating rich and famous people with some sort of crazy stupid procedure where he would take the body parts of other animals and attach them to the body parts of humans and it would like i don't know cure their cancer or their malaise or i don't know make them more viral or whatever but thankfully a lot of people thought this was crazy 
And so they made a cocktail as a joke out of it. And the cocktail itself is is an orange juice cocktail. Uh, so it is one part. Well, I guess I just go with actual measurements. It is one and a half ounces of gin, one and a half ounces of orange juice, and then a teaspoon of grenadine, a teaspoon of simple syrup, and a teaspoon of absinthe. And you put all of that in a, uh, a shaker, you shake it with ice, and then you serve it straight up in a chilled cocktail glass. And it is a potpourri of various flavors. The, the anise flavor of the absinthe is, is really prevalent, but it's not dominating. And it gets a very bright and uh, orange flavor from the orange juice. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, sweeteners in there. The orange juice, the grenadine, and the simple syrup all working together to not allow the absinthe to overwhelm you. And, and of course, then the gin. Uh, and the gin is really playing the bass here. And, you know, it's, it's kind of under the undertone of everything else. And it, it's actually a very flavorful cocktail if you are really interested you know like I want to really have something that is going to um, be different than something I'm used to having and I think absinthe is a really great um, ingredient to, to go do that to go out and a little bit on the adventurous side uh, I don't typically like the anise flavor um, but uh, but I do like it in small amounts in certain cocktails and um, and uh, this is actually one of my my very favorites I know I say that every week you and do. You have a lot of favorites, you know? Well, you know, I like cocktails, Matthew. What can I say? That's why, maybe that's why we have a podcast that's kind of about them. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, that's my, uh, that's my monkey gland. Yeah. So with that, Matthew, what are you drinking? So I am not, you know, a, as we've, we've talked about before, I'm, I'm kind of new to the cocktail game. And so I've been playing around and doing a lot of research and reading blogs about cocktails and looking at websites. And last week I actually came across a, a blog and I'm going to actually name it because I stole this recipe and I want to give them credit. Uh, a blog called Craft and Cocktails. And uh, the web address is craftandcocktails.co. And you can also find her on Instagram at Craft and Cocktails. So I came across this. It was a Fruity Pebbles Milk Punch. And you know, anytime I see kind of a weird recipe, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to set that aside and, and maybe there'll be a, a reason to use that cocktail in the podcast. And so I have a, I use a, an app called any list that I throw recipes into and threw this into it and didn't think that I would really actually use it anytime soon. And until Kapler's press conference between games on Saturday. Yeah, between and, the games of the doubleheader. Yeah, and he came out and said that the team was sluggish in the first game, but that he saw in the clubhouse that they had they were serving sugary kids cereals and that he thought that that was going to like, you know, get them maybe that would get them revved up for game oh, 2. Oh, you know, I saw that press conference too and he made that comment and I was just like, what? I, I didn't, I was, I was with children's cereals. I, I didn't know. And maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. So I, now that you explain that, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause they're like kids cereals. And, well, he specifically and called it luck, lucky charms and you know, and all that. So I thought, well, gosh, you know, lucky charms, that would be right. You know, we need to get, we need some luck. And then I remembered this, uh, this recipe that I had saved. And so I'm calling it Kapler's fruity pebbles, milk punch. And if you're not familiar with milk punch, which which I really wasn't, I am. Uh, and it's wonderful. I've never it, made it myself, but I've had it at some great bars. It's it's, it's pretty really damn nice. amazing. And and so what it is is uh, well, first of all, milk punch goes back like hundreds of years, and uh, mainly because it's a way of of preserving alcohol without the need for refrigeration uh, or cocktails without the need for refrigeration, particularly uh, using a dairy. I love human uh, ingenuity. Yeah, right. Humans so, are the best, especially when it comes to inventing alcohol. That's right. Uh, so yeah, I read like Ben Franklin had his own milk punch recipe that he wrote. Uh, you of know, course was, he did. Of, of course, course Ben did. had his own milk punch recipe. And, and so, so milk punch is basically what you do is you take milk, preferably whole milk, and you mix it with a punch that has uh, the 
acids of citric acid, mostly. Although I know bartenders now have been playing around with other types of acids, including coffee and, and other types of things. But citric, is, citric acid is really the, the, the original uh, one. And so this particular cocktail has several uh, citrus uh, in it. It has pineapple juice, lime juice, and lemon juice. It also has some strawberries that are muddled in it. And I, I'm proud to say, I actually grew my strawberries in my own garden. So that was pretty exciting to use something like that in there. It's got sugar, I know, sugar and water, and then gin. So it's a gin-based punch. And you mix all that together, and then you pour it into the milk, but not just any milk in this case. In this case, I poured a bowl of fruity pebbles and then covered it with milk and let it sit for an hour uh, and then strained out the fruity pebbles and set, used the milk from the cereal. So it was a fruity, fruity pebbles infused milk. And so then you combine the punch with the milk and almost immediately it starts to curdle. And you start to get this kind of uh, you know, milkiness in there and you let it sit. I, I covered it up, put it in the fridge and let it sit for three or four hours. When I came back, it had coagulated that you could see it in the bottom, this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, mass of curd. Uh, I love then, the word coagulated. <clears throat> coagulated. It's just, it's, it's perfect for a cocktail, isn't it? I love it when <clears throat> my, my, my cocktails are coagulating. Yes. Yes. Well, so then, the, but you have to be pretty patient when you're making this. And I, and I am not the patient type. So this was the hardest part for me. You pour it into some cheesecloth. And um, I had a colander lined with cheesecloth. And I poured it in there and I let it drip into a bowl. Uh, and that takes a while. Like you would think that it would come pretty quickly through the cheesecloth. But the it's so thick uh, that the it takes a long time for all the liquid to, to Whenever get I've to had come. this at a bar... It's always been a batch that was made the previous right. day. So it is never something. Yeah, it's not a quick process. And, yeah. And on that note, right. So this recipe that I have and that you can find it on our Instagram account as well is for like eight to 10 servings because you have to make a lot and then you just keep it in the fridge. And the great thing about this, as I mentioned, it is it keeps forever. Like you put it in your fridge and you can just forget about it for months and it will still be fine. And, and so, so you, let me get back to the process. You strain it through. Then once it's done that, you do it again and you strain it through the same curds and milk cheese process again. So again, that takes probably, it took like close to an hour to, to kind of get all the stuff through. And finally I was a little impatient. So I just kind of squeezed it with some more cheesecloth and just kind of pushed it down. Of course you um, did. Yep. Yep. And then you were always you the one that, banging on my door on Christmas day. You're like, always. get up, get up. Were, it's time to go. Were, you were the one that wanted to sleep in. Uh, so, so then you take, then I took a coffee filter as the last one time. And I filtered that through a coffee filter and it comes out. It's tinted because you've got all the, you know, the colors, but it's a light, like a, in this case, it's kind of a light peachy color and, and it's perfectly clear. You can see through it. And so it clarifies the, the whole drink. And, and, and as I taste it, it's pretty amazing. I, I learned a phrase while researching this called mouthfeel. Never, never heard of mouthfeel before. I used that term last week. Do you not you? even listen to this show? I, I don't listen to you half the okay. time, but <laughs> I literally said mouthfeel. Last okay. Week. All right. You're right. I, I think I recall you saying that, but so mouthfeel um, in this case, there is a milkiness to it. Feel, you know, so it, it, it basically takes all the tannins and the acidity out of the drink and leaves it with this mellower taste. Now, this is a punch, so it is sweet. Uh, and mine has been sitting with its ice cube in there for a while, so it's a little more mellow. But, oh, my gosh, it is so good. And I'm going to take a drink right now. Well, it's called Fruity Pebbles Milk Punch. So I, I would expect it to be sweet. It is sweet. It yeah, is Milk sweet. Punch is, is going to be a sweet thing none, anyway. So, first of all, I just want to say I feel like... I was going to say, I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi facing Darth Vader and, you know, but, but really, no, I'm no Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I'm really, it's more like, you know, I don't know, Anakin Skywalker facing Ahsoka. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, the teacher has now become uh, the student 
you know, and you have surpassed me in your cocktail making skills. You have made a milk punch. I have never made a milk punch. I bow down to you. And actually, folks, I, he showed me the milk punch and it, it is super crystal clear. It's beautiful. I'm it's very, amazing. very jealous. Again, there'll be a photo on, on Instagram and, and Twitter if you want to check it out on at Giant Cocktails. Uh, you know, so so that was my drink. I'm really enjoying it sitting here. I, I'm glad that I made several, you know, uh, eight to 10 servings of this because I, I'm probably going to go have some more after this podcast is done. It's that good. Okay, well, you know, the Giants, uh, three and three. You know, on some respects, you used to say, well, if you're 500 on the road, then that's a good week. But it doesn't feel like a good week. No, this is a crap week. I'm sorry. This was a crap. No. I know. Okay. I'm the pessimist. I'm the guy that takes shots. I'm not afraid to say that I think Gabe Kapler's, you know, not a good X's and O's manager. I'm not afraid to call out the guys. I'm all, you know, you don't like Jose Alvarez. I guess we're both, we're both prone to speak our minds here, but I do want to say this was, this was not a good week. This was not a good week, but it was also a week where I think Matthew, they, they should have gone one and five this week. And they could have gone four and two. Instead, they went three and three. So so in that respect, I would say they got way more out of this week than they probably deserved, at least from the offense's perspective. I think the pitcher's perspective was, man, I wish our offense could score some runs. <laughs> yes. I, well, let me rephrase that. The starting pitchers are like, I wish the other two parts of our team would get their act together because we're awesome. The bullpen's perspective is probably like, it wasn't our fault this week. <laughs> yeah. The bullpen actually, uh, I was, I was so curious about how they did this week. They had the second uh, best ERA in the national league this week for our relievers. And they were amazing. This week. They, they were really good. They this were, week. They were including really Jose Alvarez. And it pains me to say that. Yeah, Jose Alvarez. I mean, well, okay. So Caleb Berger optioned to AAA. Jose Alvarez is still on the team. Um, let's got, talk about. He's got, he's got pictures of Kepler. I'm telling you, from his days in Philadelphia. Well, he has a connection to Kepler. Pictures. Well, he he has a connection to Kepler, <laughs> and that's why he's still on the team. Guaranteed. Whistler's no longer on the team. And With, Tropiano. You're, Tropiano's you're, you're, no longer on the team. Got picked yeah. up by the New York Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, who the Giants get to Mets, face? Yeah, yeah, six times. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he'll be the winning pitcher. In at least I'm sure he's going to win all six of those games. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's probably what's going to happen. He's going to go six and zero. Oh. He's going to pitch in back to back games, all six games. And uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I know we talked a little bit about last week. Before we dive into what this previous week, just just let's just take care of some some business. Whistler was traded. Um, finally, mercifully, he is now the Tampa Bay Rays problem. I, I mean, maybe they think they can fix them. They, you know, they, they actually have some, some track records of working with relievers and with pitchers. So, you know, they're, you know, the Rays are, the Rays are a brilliant team, especially on the front office. They always have been. So if they can figure out what's going on with Lister, good for them. Good for him. You know, I, I think the good news is that the giants got something back for him from him, you know, for yeah. him. Right. And, uh, and, and they got something good. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, this, the guy that they got was, was a good, I, I think a good reliever in the minors. I think he's probably just, it's, you know, it's taken him a little long. His name is Michael Plassmeyer and uh, he was actually a starting pitcher. And, you know, one of those guys that apparently is always around the strike zone, doesn't have overwhelming stuff, uh, but has proven to get out. And so, you know, nothing spectacular. He's not one that's going to blow your socks off. But, you know, he's the exact kind of pitcher that you would think that the Giants would pick up and that will turn him into like, you know, a Kevin Gosman. Right, right. And he adds depth to the starting, you know, the starting pitching depth. He's, he's probably now at the very, very back, but but he's um, he's there. And, and you know, and, and he is not. Yeah, like you said, he's he throws strikes. He's somebody that that is is not this isn't just a throw-in it's not it's not a piece that is valueless so so that's good i mean i think i hopefully this works out well for for everybody but you know whistler just didn't work out right he just didn't work out and he had a couple of flashes where he maybe looked like he was turning things around but 
but he could never put like three good outings together, you know, oh. and, and that, you know, and, and that was just the end yeah. of it, you know, see ya. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt like, you know, to me, I felt like Whistler had the longest leech leash of the whole organization, but I was wrong. I mean, Jose Alvarez does. So Caleb Berger sent back down because Alvarez is our one lefty that we get to keep behind. And yes, Alvarez has had a couple good outings in a row. And I think, I think, you know, his performances in the opening day gut punch and his performance in the Mother's Day Massacre were really just so, so bad. And he had a lot of other bad outings to go with those that I think it really, really just turned you and I off to him. There is clearly something that the organization sees in him. And the fact of the matter is Jose Alvarez was a Philadelphia Philly when Gabe Kapler was the manager there. And so he clearly saw something in Alvarez then. Maybe Alvarez performed well then. Or maybe just Kapler liked what he saw. And I so I think that is probably why Alvarez has stuck around as long as he has and has been given as many opportunities as he has. You know, and 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 maybe, you know, and he's definitely turned things around. And so maybe he's he's doing, you know, what he should have been doing all along. And, and this is the real Jose Alvarez and, and great. You know, I, I hope that's true. But it also seems like maybe he got a longer leash than others because of that history. And, you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of those sort of things, but hey, whatever. Well, he's pitching well now. So maybe if he can keep that up, then water under the bridge, I guess. But uh, yeah, he's also out of options. So, you know, it's not like they can just send him down to the minors. So, I mean, you know, that's... Well, Whistler was out of options too. That's true. Yes. But, but you know, if they're good, but it's... Berger and him aren't comparable. They're not comparable. Because, that is for sure, for sure. But I will tell you that Whistler was probably more tradable than Alvarez. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's why Alvarez is still on the team. I don't know. Anyway, I hope he continues to improve. He's got a lot. You know, I'm sorry. Those those were those were pretty brutal losses. And every every you know those are games the Giants should have won. And 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 every win matters, especially this year when you're competing against time, teams like the Dodgers and the Padres. And so, you know, uh, we're fans, and and we're 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 not easily swayed. So, there it is. Well, I, I think you know. So yes, the 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 pitcher, the the relief pitchers definitely had uh, a better week this week, probably their best week, and including the game on the second game on Saturday where they picked up uh, Gosman from who only lasted four innings in the first game on Saturday. Uh, didn't pitch horribly, but just, you know, didn't seem to be. His well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, no, I, I, he was okay. He, I thought he was fine. It's a seven inning game and they needed to take a shot. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I don't surprised, think I'm surprised he, that they don't, that he only went four. I guess, did, did they pinch it for him? I forget. Was that, they was, did was pinch it point? for him. They did pinch a point it for where him. they needed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't, I didn't hate that move because it was a seven inning game. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. So that's, you know, in a normal thing, that's like a sixth inning kind of move there. So. And, and it didn't pay off on in the pinch hit scenario, but it didn't hurt them in the pitching yeah. scenario. Right. Because right. the bullpen was so good. Well, Alvarez came in and, you know, pitched two scoreless innings. So. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And so it didn't hurt. And that was a, I mean, that, that was a great, that might've been Alvarez's best outing of the season. And, right. and it was a fantastic outing. He kept them in the game and that absolutely was a game the Giants could have won. And I think that move was the right move in that scenario. I mean, I think, you know, if Alvarez comes in and lays another egg, then I think absolutely everybody would have been up in arms, but you know, he didn't. And so good on him. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And the bullpen had a great game in the second game and uh, uh, including, um, well, I mean, they just had a really good game. And so, you know, that led to a win, you know, where we kind of skipped through De Sclafani in game one. I mean, he pitched his second, shutout of the year uh which uh you know i mean this day and age you know complete yeah. game shutouts are are so rare and yeah. well uh, you're pretty you're pretty deep into your milk punch we skipped over the entire rangers uh, well yeah because series. i was i was excited about our bullpen and that just let me think about disclafani <laughs> and so you know but i want to talk about disclafani because he he uh i mean he does not it's funny because he doesn't look like a dominating pitcher and 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 he kind of looks like you know Looks like he, you know, works for the local transit authority. To be honest, but I think you know that's neither here nor there. I, I think uh, 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 nothing wrong with that, by the no, way, to no, our but transit I, you know, authority but listeners. Seems like a blue collar lunch, you know, taking his lunch pail to work kind of guy. 
doesn't seem like a real physical the, specimen well to that's me, true you know? that's true and in fact he doesn't like his nickname he doesn't like th- disco i saw that he doesn't like disco and he wants to be called something like t-bone t-bone which is totally not going to work well look but i think that's just what you kind of described you described him as a t-bone yes. kind of guy and not a disco kind of guy okay that's fair Yes. Yeah. And so T-Bone. All right, T-Bone. Hey, you T-Bone. Know, you keep pitching like that. I'll call you. I was a little worried about how, you know, you had a couple of performances a couple of weeks ago and I talked about it on the show and I said, you know, I'm a little bit worried because it looks like he's regressing to the mean. And well, then, you they gave you, him some rest. Yeah, they did. They did. And then he slapped me straight in my face yeah. and he, he put up that amazing game. Um, which, you know, given the way the offense was playing, they had no business winning. It was ba- oh basically, God. it was basically T-Bone and, uh, and, and, and Buster. Talkman. Well, and Talkman. Oh, that's true. Talk. It was Talkman, T-Bone and Gerald. Yeah. That's, that's what it was. It was those three who, who, you know, who put it all together. I'm sorry. We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of Lopez this week. And so, um, <laughs> well, I, yeah. he calls Buster Gerald. So, and I think, I think, uh, Talkman's catch. I, you know, now I'm, I'm, I think we should just trademark the name Talkman. Anytime, anytime <laughs> Homer gets taken away, he got yeah. Talkman. You know, and, and you just, what I love about that is that, you know, that guy is struggling so much at the plate and yet nobody and yet, cares. Uh, nobody cares because he's played such great defense and he's saved. He's given us two wins just by playing left field, you know, in the last, you know, couple yeah, weeks. So for sure. For so, sure. Well, they certainly lose that game against the Dodge, obviously, right? Because it right. would have been a walk-off home run. Yeah, uh, and, and you know game, the way we're hitting. If that game gets tied up, we're losing that. And game. they go into extra innings. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They they're going to lose that game. And then you know, yeah, he hasn't been hitting, but you know, you wanted to skip over the Rangers. Well, yeah, series, well, but, so but game one of the Rangers, the Rangers. Series. right? Yeah. He had grand that grand slam. slam. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, a talkman to me right now is like Kurt Casale. I don't mm-hmm. care what he's doing at the plate. Obviously, I would love and he, everybody would love to see Talkman hitting better. And, you know, right me, it just right now, it, it seems to me that he's swinging at anything and everything. Right. He's especially susceptible to things that are high and out away, out of the strike zone away. Um, and, and and he just, you know, I don't know. It just feels like whatever he doesn't have an approach at the plate and he's just swinging at, at anything and everything. But. You know, and, and maybe if he stopped doing that and, and just focused on the pitches that he can really, really drive, then he would do a little bit better. But, you know, what do I know? The point is, the guy is so amazing on defense that he makes that team better and everybody wants him out there. And you really don't care how he's hitting the same way you don't care about what Casale's doing, right? If Casale's going to be out there giving Buster the rest that Buster you know, seems to need, or at least, you know, that whole system is working and the pitchers love throwing to Casale, then who cares how he's hitting? And that's how I feel about Talkman. Um, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's like whatever he does on offense is gravy just because he is so, so good on defense. And it's not just those two catches, right? It is so many others, right? Yeah. The guy is just, yeah. 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 And, and I, it reminds me the other day, you know, I tend to get sucked into Facebook videos and Facebook has this algorithm where it knows what I like to watch. Right. So it always throws me giants uh, highlights and I'm like, Oh, you know, 2010 game clinching game series. Of course I'll watch that, you know, but the other day it was, <laughs> it was Andrew McCutcheon's six for, you know, six hit game where he ended with a walk-off home run. Oh yeah. Against the Dodgers. It was early in the season, uh, but he had been struggling like up until that game. And then, so at the end of this video, they, Amy G interviews him and his thought was it's about time. Right. And then he starts talking about how, you know, yeah, that he always, remember that, that, yeah. that he, he plays defense, you know, that, you know, if he, his bat's not working, he can at least, you know, play defense. And, but it was nice to have a hit and there, you know, I have a game like that. And I feel like Talkman is due for that kind of game, you know, that uh, he's, he's too good of a hitter. He's had a track record. I mean, certainly not as bad as what his average has been showing. And, and the same for Casale, for that matter. Uh, I think that it's just one of those things where you go through slumps and issues happen. And and I'm hoping that they will pull out of that because, you know, we've got a couple of guys, you know, we've got, you know, now we've got Longoria and Dickerson went on in the IL again this week. So, you know, we're, where you know, I think last week you when I asked you, will we ever have a full lineup that's healthy? And you said, no. It uh, it was correct. 
It was correct. Yes. Uh, I, I was a little uh, perturbed because I felt like, you know, yeah, of course we're going to get healthy at some point, but maybe we won't. And this depth is going to carry us. And, you know, guys like Casali and Talkman are part of that. And so we, we need them to, to eventually start hitting, I think, because right now no one's hitting. And it's we three runs, three runs, Ben, three runs. Three run- Three runs That's, against the Nationals. And yes. and one of them, one of those runs was because we had a guy camp at second base to start an inning. You know, and so just three runs. And, and I mean, it was painful to watch these games this week. And, you know, if it wasn't for this podcast and me being like, well, I feel like I should probably pay attention to what they're doing. I would have turned that game off. I would have been like, <laughs> today I suffered through Cueto and his error and, you know, just, you know, and, and Schwarber. Uh, that guy, man, just, you know, why are we still pitching to him? And, and, you know, I would have just turned it off, but it's like, cause that offense, you just know, once you get, um, we're down four, nothing. You think we're coming back from that? We hadn't scored four runs in the last week. So no, we're not coming back from that. And it just, it, it frustrates me. Um, anyway, I'm okay now. Thank you. <laughs> are you sure? No. Are you sure? <laughs> Well, look, I think there's a lot about uh, there's a lot of things to unpack there. I have a lot of concerns about the Giants hitting philosophy. I think we've touched on it a little bit in the past. I, I think before we jump into that, though, I, I think we would be remiss if we, we didn't mention a couple of things that did happen during Sammy during Long. Well, first of all, I mean, first of all, B. Craw setting the record. Now, oh, I had yeah. actually right. actually given him that already. Like, I, I said this last week that he is the, the giant that has played the most games at, at shortstop. He was actually one game short of that record when I when I said that. He, he said that. Yeah, it was close enough. We all knew he was going to do it. So, um, so yeah, he set that record game and then, of course, had a great game while he was doing it. So, so that was a really a special moment. And I think, you know, I... I we don't have to dwell on it because we have a lot of things to talk about, but, um, yeah, you know, it, I mean, it's great to see, you know, our guys that have been with us for a long time continue to play well and to be honored in that way. It was kind of cool to see the team not, not follow him out on the field, make him run out by himself and see his reaction when he realized no one was behind him. And well, I think was- it's, it's super great because I think a lot of times, you know, you don't, you don't really appreciate what, what people are accomplishing and, and what you're seeing when it's happening. You know, I, I think those those games like Matt Cain's perfect game and the no hitters, you know, Sanchez and Lincecum and, and those no hitters and obviously winning the World Series are the, the obvious things. But a lot of times you talk about these all time greats and, and you're thinking, wow, it really would have been cool if I had seen those guys. And 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 this is one of those guys. This is the San Francisco Giant. No, this is the. San Francisco and New York Giants and New York Gotham's all-time leading shortstop. That's pretty cool. And that's that's really cool. And we're watching him play right now. And we know all of the great and amazing things that he's done for this team. This is the greatest shortstop the Giants have ever had. And... You know, yeah, I know uh, I'm, I'm totally forgetting his name, but I know he's in the Hall of Fame. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, maybe B. Crow will get there. I don't I don't know. But but um, but I really do think that this is the greatest San Francisco's giant shortstop of all time it is in is Brandon Crawford. And it's it's really just a special to be able to say that that you're seeing that happen. And he's having a career year. He might be having his best year ever. And that's that's super special to be able to see him set that record and while he's playing at the peak of his form. So I did just want to call that out. Um, and then, yeah, no, you're right. Sammy Long in game two. I, I wanted to run out and grab a Sammy Long jersey like right in the middle of his, you know, that strikeout number like five. I was like, where do I order a Sammy Long jersey? Seven yeah. strikeouts in four innings. And yes, I know this is the, the year of the strikeout, but even so, even yeah. so. That was pretty know. impressive. And and just where he was locating his fastball was right at the knees. And then he had that big overhand curveball. And it was just beautiful. I mean, those players, those hitters had no chance. I mean, they were just, you know, I mean, buckling and it was, it was awesome to see. And I, it was really cool to see his you know, reaction when he got taken from the game and he was looking around the stadium and taking it all in. And you, know, you kind of, you know, it's kind of neat to see a guy be successful in his long awaited major league debut. And, you know, this is the guy that got released by the White Sox or uh, got released 
even before the White Sox, he got released and then was, you know, going to become a firefighter and then decided to pitch again. And then the only reason that he got signed by the White Sox was because he, a tweet of him throwing went viral. And right. he, uh, he got, uh, he got a second chance. And then the White Sox, for some reason, he pitched well last year in a ball and then they didn't re-sign him. And so, you know, the, their loss was a giant's gain and man, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun watching this kid. Yeah. And he was a free agent for about six days before the Giants signed him. So yeah, everyone had I a mean, chance. Yeah. Yeah. Farhan Zaidi. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, you know, so we didn't have to mention that, but really the story of the week was just, especially well in that game, game two, uh, that's by the end the, of the game, you know, we were not hitting. That's and when the bats went cold. Yeah, that's it. And so, so I know you and I have talked offline about this in the past, but I feel like you know the Giants have a philosophy of of hitting that basically they're going to look for a pitch that they can drive, and they they want to hit hard, and they're going to let they're going to let other strikes go, and that's their philosophy, uh, even with two strikes. You know, they're going to look to do damage and they're going to look for their pitch. And you and I had talked about early on about what could be the flaws in that philosophy. And one of them was, well, if pitchers are hitting those spots that the Giants don't want to swing at, uh, that could be a flaw. And I and, and I feel like that's kind of what we saw a little bit this week. Right. Was, you know, the pitchers uh, for the Washington you know, Nationals seem to be executing their pitches where they needed to. Uh, it seemed like they were getting ahead a lot. I know you said that you would kind of track some of that. I wasn't. I wasn't being as as uh, intentional around watching that. I was just frustrated as heck that it seemed like they were always behind and that they were, you know, inevitably having weak contact and not really uh, executing their the the way we've seen them. So, what is your what is your thought on this and where, where, where what's going on right now? Well, here's here's one of the nerdy things that I do. I, I think I've mentioned in the past that I like to actually watch the teams that the Giants are about to play, um, you know, and uh, and so I watch their games as they lead up to the Giants so I can see what the Giants are up against. I also like to watch other teams broadcasts of the games, you know, I have MLB.tv. And, and so I'll watch the, uh, after the game is over, I'll wait for the 90 minutes that I have to wait. And then I will watch the, you know, the opposing broadcast team call the game. And yeah, I like to watch them call the plays where the giants do bad things. Cause I like to, because I'm, you know, fraud and joy. And I, I like to, to wallow in other people's misery because I'm a horrible person, but I also just like to see and hear and listen to what they have to say about the giants. Well, another thing that I like to do is I actually like to just go in and watch a game over to understand why, you know, what happened, happened. You know, it's not something that, you know, we, we get caught up in the results. Oh, he hit a home run. Oh, he made a great catch. Oh, he had seven strikeouts. But what we don't really follow necessarily is where the pitcher is the catcher is setting up on every single at bat and how the pitchers are approaching certain players and so that's what I actually did for a couple of games for the national series and I was really looking at how the nationals approached the giants on Friday night because Scherzer got hurt right in his second at bat against belt and then after that it was a bullpen game and it was a bullpen game where the nationals bullpen absolutely dominated the Giants. And they just, that shouldn't have happened, right? Scherzer leaving that game should have been an unfortunate boon for the Giants. And it wasn't. Luckily, the Giants won that game one to nothing because T-Bone was dominating himself. But what I noticed was a couple of things. First of all, their pitchers were attacking the strike zone with breaking balls on the first or second pitch of the at-bat. And they were really looking for strike one. So they were throwing breaking balls or they were throwing fastballs low and away. And it really looked like they were trying to sneak up a, a strike away with a pitch that they knew that the Giants batters would spit on. So basically they were saying, all right, I know you have an approach. I know you're looking for a certain kind of pitch. So I'm not going to throw that. Instead, I'm going to throw something else that I'm much more confident I can steal a strike with that I know is low risk because I know you won't swing at it. So they were throwing a lot of breaking balls, first pitch for strikes or low and away. And if they didn't get it, they would come back and do it again 
So most of their counts, they were either 0 and 1 or 1 and 1 by the time they got that first strike. And they were doing it really, really well, right? It's one thing to say that you're going to do that. It's another thing to execute on it. And they were just absolutely executing on it. They were throwing strikes with pitches that they knew the Giants didn't want to swing at, which was putting the Giants in a hole. And one of the things that you did not see the Giants do in this series was take walks. And that is what they do. That is what they specialize in this year is making the pitchers run up their pitch count and taking walks. And they do that by only swinging at strikes they like. But that only works when the pitcher's throwing a lot of balls or when he's trying to get you to fish. If they know you're not going to fish, then they can throw the ball in the strike zone and they can do it without much fear because they kind of know what you're going to swing at and what you're not going to swing at. And so they were just getting ahead in a lot of counts and then they were in total control. So that's the first thing that I noticed. Sure. Well, and to your point on that, I mean, in that game on Friday, uh, Washington pitchers struck out 10 giants and didn't walk one. Yeah. Because they so, threw strikes and they threw a lot of strikes that they weren't worried that the giants would swing at. That's yeah. what it looked like to me. Anyway, I'm, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I, you know, I do think that that is the giants approach, right? They're like, no, we're going to swing at the balls. We want, we're going to wait for you to make a mistake. Well, what happens when the pitchers don't make mistakes? Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what we saw. You know, we're seeing a a situation where the the Nationals just didn't make a lot of mistakes. And that that certainly happened in game one on Friday. Uh, Game two on Saturday, sorry, game one of Saturday, the first game um, where the guy, the pitcher was named was Fetty, uh, F-E-D-D-E. He actually got into some trouble early on. And it really looked like uh, so. So Vossler hit into a double play and one key position, one key at bat. And then Lamont Wade Jr. had a very questionable decision to go for a bunt after Gosman had let off the inning with a single. He decided to bunt for a hit. Well, and it he didn't saw work. that left side of the infield all wide open. It was yeah, and I guess that. Kapler, Kapler like gave him a pass on that and said, oh, I love that play. And we're always telling them to do all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, really? Because they don't really do it that often. No. <laughs> First of all, if you're telling them to do it, they're not doing it. Uh, second of all, that was a really weird time to do that, especially for Lamont Wade, because you know, based on what I just said, he was actually hitting those curveballs. He was hitting the ball really well. They were just landing in guys' gloves, you know? So I actually felt like his approach over the whole weekend was actually pretty good. He was one of the few guys that was getting, making good contact. And I thought, man, that was a really weird, weird choice there. But, but then after that, again, they fell into a star, uh, you know, that, that, the problems where, you know, the, the pitcher was getting ahead in strikes, throwing a lot of breaking balls. The other thing I noticed was there are a few guys who are struggling, you know, they were, they're not able to make contact or hit, you know, or, or at least strong contact on fastballs in the strike zone. Particularly, I noticed that, that it was Vossler and, and belt. They were missing fastballs in the strike zone. Vossler was late on them and belt was just missing them. And so you combine those two things and then you take guys like Duggar and Talkman who are swinging at anything. Then I think you add all those things together and it turned into a really miserable weekend. Yeah. Well, I, looking at that second game, the first game was on Saturday. Uh, the, it was a seven inning game. And again, the Washington pitchers struck out 10 and didn't walk a batter uh, in seven innings. So it, you know, and, and they, and they lost. Oh no, that was the game they won. Uh, so it's just, yeah. It well, really they won added. that game because as you, as you, you, as you were complaining about earlier, because they got that free runner in the extra innings. I mean, that was really the only threat they had, right? Was that was in game two on, uh, no, on game, game, game. Now I'm getting confused on which game is which, um, no. So game one of the, was, was the game that the, the nationals won, but not in extra innings. They just, they, they had Schwarber let off of the home run. Well, when whatever, was the one where they struck out, they struck out, uh, 10 and walked nobody both games both friday and that first game and friday on, and the first game that, saturday well saturday yeah. was only a seven inning game yeah and they struck out 10 in seven innings i mean you know and uh, fetty struck out seven in five innings you know so um yeah just yeah, yeah. and and belt you're right i mean he seems like he's late um seems like he's been late on fastballs too i know you said he was missing but i think he's also just not catching up to them and uh i think pitchers have figured that out 
that he doesn't have the bat speed for whatever reason right now. And they're just pumping fastballs in on him. That's pretty yeah. typical of him after he comes off the DL. I know he can't, sorry, the IL. I, I know he came off the IL and he had a th- three hits in one game, but then since then he's kind of been typical Brandon belt off of the IL. It's been like so, over 13 or something. Like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, in this series. Yeah. 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 So I, uh, hopefully that's, that's turning around, but you know, I don't know. We'll see. The good yeah. news is that Yaz looked pretty bad on Saturday, but today he looked much better. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had some good at bats. That we just well, need that... that guy to stay healthy long enough to just get going. You yeah. know, stop banging your thumb into walls and uh, getting hit by pitches <laughs> and whatever else has been happening. Well, now I'm like, I'm fascinated by this. You know, you bring into light this walk thing because you're right. The Giants uh, make pitchers pitch a lot of pitches. They work lots of walks. Uh, they're generally one of the higher you know, teams with the highest amount of walks through three games. They had one walk. Yeah, three games. And, um, you know, that's that's not um, actually now that I'm looking at the whole series. They had one walk. Yeah. And and, and the, the because thing is, on, is on yesterday's game, they also struck out 10 times and didn't walk. once. Well, and here's what I'm saying. It's not because they're swinging more. Okay, right. that's no, not it's the just, problem. It's just the, the, the pitchers have said, well, if you're not going to swing at certain pitches, we're just going to, we're not going to throw They're throwing strike strikes. Yeah. yeah. Particularly the soft stuff. They, the Giants just look like they're just not interested in swinging at breaking balls, particularly slow breaking balls. So, you know, like a curveball, they just don't swing at curveballs. And especially on the first pitch. They're all, it all looks to me like they're all picking a zone in the strike zone and they're thinking, looking fastball. And if they're going to swing early in the count, that's what they're going to do. They're going to swing at one kind of pitch. And the other teams are like, why would I ever throw that pitch if I know that's what you're looking for? And so they're sneaking in curveballs or they're sneaking in a strike low in the zone if it's a fastball and it's one that ends up missing and, and it is away. And, and, you know, the one thing that I will say is, is that you got to hit that pitch if that, you, if that's what you're choosing to do. And, and the nationals were, and that's why they weren't getting walks because the nationals were throwing strikes. I'm looking and, at this. I'm, I'm, I'm astounded. 38 strikeouts and one walk for Washington yeah. pitchers over this last of the four games. Well, and this is the flaw with this philosophy. This is the flaw. Like, if the if the pitchers figure out that this is what you're doing, they're going to start to throw nothing but but soft strikes to you to get ahead of you in the count. And then they dominate you because then they can throw whatever they want. And this is the flaw in this philosophy, which is why, you know, I, I think it's like you really, really have to think about this and and mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Because Change the Giants approach a little bit, right? The Giants have to come back and they have to start looking for first pitch curveballs and punish them. And you, you know what else they need? More fruity pebbles. <laughs> well, and you know maybe they need a little more Evan Longoria and Tommy Listella and and Dickerson and Dickerson yeah. and you rough. know yes, and rough, yes. you know. So so maybe that's a little bit of it too. But at the same time, you know, fruity pebbles won't hurt. No, Fruity Pebbles won't hurt. Fruity Pebbles won't hurt. I think that, that, I mean, they won that game, that second game, right? So maybe that's what it is, is the breakfast cereal has got to be there every time. So we, we need, we need, uh, we need more breakfast cereal or we need well, to bring you, back the mustaches. I don't know. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll definitely bring back the mustaches, but I, I think, well, so we've kind of beaten this to death, but you know what? Another way of getting healthy, I think, is facing the Diamondbacks for four games. Uh, which yes, is what we home. get to do. <laughs> and and I must say, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about the Rockies being one of the worst teams in history and yes. how they were going to be so awful. Yes. And they have been. They've been mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. but not as bad as the Diamondbacks. I mean, the Diamondbacks have the worst record in the major leagues. Now, when we saw them a couple of weeks ago, and it was a short two game series before that Dodgers series, they were in the, they had lost eight in a row going into that, into that series. And we beat them both times. They've now going into this series, they've lost 10 in a row, which uh, just boggles my mind how you can have those those kind of losing streaks. I mean, that is brutal. And I just hope the Giants just kind of get healthy against that team because, you know, that's the team to do it against. Right. I mean, geez. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, yes. The, I, and, and especially at home. Um, well, you know, and I think here's the thing is, is that then uh, you can count on the Diamondbacks pitchers maybe trying to do that, but not executing, right? Because right. the thing is, like, that works, but you, it only works if you throw strikes. And and so, so yeah, but I do, I do want to, I do, you did bring up one thing. I, I, I took a lot of shots at the Rockies early on in the season saying that they're the worst team in baseball. And, and I, I want to apologize because first of all, clearly the Diamondbacks are way worse than you. Uh, but I do want to add a caveat to say that like, at least I think the Diamondbacks have a plan and they're executing on it. I don't know what the, the Rockies are doing. Cause I, I, I see the path forward for the Diamondbacks. I don't see the path forward for the Rockies. That being said, the Rockies, you're still on pace to lose 101 games this year. So you may not be the worst team in baseball, but you're not good. And, but at least you're not on pace to lose 113 games. Ooh. Well, and it doesn't help those two teams that they're playing the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. No, it does not. It doesn't. It really, really hurts both of them, like for sure, right? To have the three best teams in the league, maybe in all of baseball. You got to play each of them 19 times. In your division. Yeah. It, that's that's brutal. I mean, it's brutal for both of them. But the the Diamondbacks' winning percentage right now is three oh three, one hundred and sixty two times point three zero three is forty nine. That's forty nine wins. Oof. You know, so that's that's, rough. that's just that's. I mean, that's. Wow. I mean, just let's let's have a moment of silence for the, for the Diamondbacks and the fan, their fans. That's I, I hope you don't lose more than 110 games. (laughs) Well, I just want them to lose all their games against the giants. I don't really care. Yeah, that's fine. I would like them to beat the Padres and the Dodgers. So maybe they could. uh, Yeah. Have the giants not played the Diamondbacks yet this year? We played them the two games. Oh, that's right. Just those two. That's right. And, um, that's right. And, you know, this is actually their first time back um, with fans. And then, you know, Mad Bum is on the I.O. Yeah. So he's not going to pitch. And he was pitching so well for a while there, too. Well, and then and then then we have the Phillies after the Diamondbacks. Uh, we have uh, three games against the Phillies and we took two or three in April uh, against them. They're playing fairly well right now. They're a little over 500 uh, second, I think, in the in the National League East. Uh, so I think, you know, they could, they could be a challenge, but it's always good to be at home. And we, I think we should take two of three again from, from the Phillies. Uh, that would be my expectation. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think, um, well, and they'll also have been playing the Dodgers. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a letdown there. Um, although, I mean, at this point in the season, right, everybody, the the giants aren't a secret anymore. Right. So I, I think they're probably looking at this, this, they're probably looking at this road trip and they're just being like, Oh, this is rough. This is brutal. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I will tell you this, they are on, they're on a bit of a hot streak right yeah. now. Yeah, the they Phillies. are. They had three walk-offs in a row. Is that right? Yeah. Against the, the Braves and then two against the Braves and then one against the Yankees. So, um, and they have been scoring a lot of runs. They've been scoring a lot of runs since Tuesday, June 1st, they scored 17 runs on one game, then one, that's their low, then five, then 12, then five, then two, then four, then eight, then seven. Wow. I don't so think they are scored. Hot. How many runs did they score in that first game in June? Uh, 17. The Giants scored we, 19. We... The Giants scored 19 in the game. The Giants lead all of baseball with in that category. Well, right, but I was just saying I don't know if we scored 17 runs in June. So, oh, that's a uh, good question. <laughs> no, that's not true because we scored nine runs. You know, in uh, uh, just oh, that's week. true. So, that's true. We, yeah, but you take out that the, one game, and I, you know, then we start to think. I don't know, but uh, it just feels like we haven't scored more than 17 runs this month. Well, the one thing I will say, I mean, the, the, this down, this downward trend's been for about five games. Um. You know, uh, my hope is, is that 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 what I see is obvious and other people see it, too, and they make quick adjustments. Right. And so 
though, you know, I, I, I do worry though sometimes about the Kapler era where they seem to be get so caught up and fascinated by a plan that they have a hard time giving that plan up. Um, so, you know, um, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see, but it certainly looked like these guys are trying to sneak in strike one with off speed, uh, stuff and the giants are looking for fastballs to drive. So, you know, uh, or, you know, I mean, the more likely scenario is, is that I'm an idiot and I have no idea what I'm talking about and, and the giants figure out what's going on and, and fix it. But, um, but it certainly feels like the nationals figured something out. And if the Nationals did figure something out, you can bet that the Phillies and the rest of baseball are smart enough to pick up on it. So the Giants, I think, are going to have to come back with another adjustment to counter it, whatever it is. All right. Well, this week we'll have to see. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll get another start. Uh, well, actually, not a start. I mean, who knows? Maybe Sammy Long will start this time. Uh, and uh, we'll see what he can do. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what we're what we could pull together out of the next uh, the next week uh i think yeah. we should probably wrap it up now um before i do that though just want to let listeners know that uh earlier in the podcast right after we spoke about our drinks uh ben uh we talked about ben's birthday gift and we're going to put that at the end of this podcast and you can learn about what drink ben is going to drink uh for next <laughs> week's podcast and I just wanted to say that because now Ben's shaking his head because it wasn't the yeah. most amazing drink. Yeah, but ever. We'll, we'll let you listen to that. And um, yeah, go ahead and take a listen. All right. So uh, with that said, uh, thanks for, for, for following us again this week. Uh, if you've liked us, uh, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, re- rate us, review us, uh, but only if you have good things to say. Uh, and then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at giant cocktails. You can find my personal Twitter at, at Sonoma Y guy, and you can find Ben at watch Ben fail on both Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, thanks so much for being with us and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, Matthew. Bye everybody. Bye. As promised, rather than take up so much time in the actual podcast, we decided to put Ben's use of his mixology dice to choose next week's drink at the end of the podcast. Enjoy. So I have this tendency to try and find drinks that match what's going on with the Giants. Right. But I sent you a birthday gift this week Mm -hmm. for those occasions that maybe you can't figure out what to do for a drink. And so I wanted to ask you about that and you know, maybe see if there was a way that we could incorporate that gift into the podcast. <laughs> well, actually, the, the, an, an excellent. So, yes, yes, you did send me a gift. And thank you for sending me a gift. Uh, it's a very, very interesting gift. Um, what what Matthew sent to me is a, a I guess it's called mixology dice. And what it is, is a set of dice where you roll the dice and you decide, well, you roll the dice and it tells you what cocktail you should make. It gives you all the ingredients. And um, you basically, the only thing that you do is you pick the, 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 the basic style of cocktail that you want. So a traditional cocktail or a sour, a fizz, a smash, a punch, a flip, a swizzle, or a Ricky. And and then you put in the, the appropriate dice for that particular drink and you roll them and then you just, that's the cocktail you make. And so what I was thinking was, is that I would use these dice to, to, um, to make my drink for next week. And, and I was thinking we could break these out in some other way too. Like, I, I don't know exactly how we should do this, but, but one idea that I had, one idea that I had was at the beginning of the season, I made a couple of, predictions as to how certain giants would perform during the year. And I was drinking a cocktail that was, um, shall we say, strong. And I, I made a couple of predictions that I think were pretty crazy. One of them wasn't that crazy. And in retrospect, seems very, very like I undershot. But one of them was pretty crazy. And I knew it even as it was coming out of my mouth, my drunken mouth. But the two predictions I made was 
first of all, I made a prediction that Buster Posey, we'll start with the second prediction because it's the one that sounds the smartest. (laughs) Um, I said that Buster Posey was going to hit 13 home runs this year. Uh, And, and, you know, Buster has only hasn't had double digits since 2017. Buster is never really been a big home run hitter to begin with. So, so, you know, 13 home runs actually seemed like a, a very, very uh, positive and upbeat guess, but also not too far out of the realm of possibility. Well, the good news is Buster has 11 home runs already. <sighs> The other thing I said was that Logan Webb, who, if Alex Wood had been healthy, wouldn't even have been one of the starting five pitchers, to be clear, right? But I said that Logan Webb was going to win 13 games this season. Or maybe I said 12 games. I don't remember, but it was either 12 or 13. And look, Logan Webb actually right now has four wins. Okay. The downside is he's, he's on the DL on the IL and he's, and he's probably going to miss what will amount to like his third or fourth start of the season. And, and it's really questionable whether or not he's a starter when everybody's healthy or not. So, so what I'd like to do, first of all, Matthew, is I'd like to change my guess, uh, uh, change my prediction. Yeah, that's not happening. Oh, come on, man. What I'm saying is between the two of them, they're going to hit, they're going to do 26 home runs plus wins. Combined. Combined. Yes. Okay. But here's Let me the consult thing. with the judges. We'll allow it. All right. All right. But here's my concession. My concession is any week where Logan Webb wins a game or Buster Posey hits a home run, instead of picking my own cocktail for the week, we'll let the dice decide and they will pick the cocktail for me. I and, like and I thought as to, to, as a show of good faith, I thought that I would either choose the most elaborate cocktail, which is a smash on this list or a flip. Now we haven't talked about flips. We've talked about everything else on this list. We've talked about cocktails, which, so I know that's the name of the show and we have cocktails. We think about cocktails as being like anything that has alcohol in it, but a traditional cocktail is really just spirit citrus uh, sweetener, right? That is what a basic cocktail is. All of these other drinks have different names. And so, so that is what, in this particular list, when we say cocktail, that's what we mean. We mean spirit citrus, um, uh, sweetener or, or sorry, no spirit sweetener. And then perhaps some sort of bitters. That's how they're doing it here on this list. We've talked about sours, which obviously is, is what I just said. When you add in the citrus, a fizz is when you add club soda. Um, and, um, a smash is muddled with like some sort of fruit or something like that. A punch is uh, something with spice, right? A swizzle, well, Matthew had a swizzle recently and that is, has a citrus, it has sugar and then it's a lot of crushed ice and you like swizzle it, you know, with your little stick to mix everything together. And then a Ricky, which is club soda mixed with basically any spirit, uh, any spirit and, and citrus. But we haven't talked about what a flip is. And a flip is I've never had a flip actually. A, a flip is actually a cocktail that has an entire egg in it. So not just the egg white, but also the yolk. And uh, so I thought, you know, I don't know. I, I, so the Smash Matthew has the most ingredients. So it has the most, there's the most chance for, um, you know, hilarity uh, in, a, in a Smash, uh, but a flip has an egg in it, a full, full blown egg in it. So, you know, that's, that's mm. hilarity by itself. So, but, but it, it, I don't know. There's also the cocktails, the sours, the fizz, the flips, you know, uh, sorry, the swizzles the, and the Rickies. So, you know, if we had, a, if we had enough listeners where people were like pinging us with ideas and requests, we could ask our listeners to pick one for us, but we're, you know, we're still, we're still small time. So we're not quite there yet. So, but I don't know. Do you have a, do you have an I, other thing is we could just roll, we could roll a die to pick. You know, ones. as much as I'd like to see you die of salmonella, <laughs> I, I think maybe we just go with the smash. Cause I think, you know, that would be kind of fun to see if there's lots of different variables, what that could be. 
All right. All right. A smash. Okay. So a smash calls for a spirit, a uh, a sugar, or a liqueur, and that's two different dice. So I'm gonna pick. Put. They suggest you put both in, and then and then decide. And I'll let you pick the one. So there's a liqueur. And there is the, uh, so I've got these dice and they have either like a sweetener, a liqueur, a spirit, a citrus, a fruit, an herb, a spice or a bitters flavor on there. And a smash calls for a spirit. It calls for a sugar or a liqueur. Uh, so I need my sugar. I have my liqueur out there already. Where's, oh, here it is. Here's the sugar die. Uh, and then um, I have a fruit one. That's an optional die, but I figured we just throw that in there because we're just trying to be as, as crazy as possible. So there's my fruit die. I need a citrus in there. So there's my citrus. I need an herb in there. So there's my herb. And the only thing that it doesn't call for bitters and it doesn't call, okay, so here we go. I've got six different dice. And then we got to choose between two of them. So I will roll this out here. Man, you're staring at like, so those of you listening at home, my brother's staring at the camera to make sure I'm not cheating. <laughs> here, I will move the camera so you can see it, sir. There, there they are. There are the dice. Oh, all right. I see them. All six laid out. Okay. And it's uh, the fruit is grapefruit. Uh, wait, what is that? Sorry. The citrus is grapefruit. The fruit is apple. <laughs> I, I already hate you. <laughs> I, I already. First of all, grapefruit by itself is me losing. Yes. Grapefruit is the worst of the citrus but family. But grapefruit and apple, and then I also have to, so vodka, at least that's, there's that. Oh, you know, because I wouldn't want to overwhelm the grapefruit and apple flavor that I'm going to be getting out of this cocktail with <laughs> some right. sort of overwhelming spirit. So let's no. just go with vodka to, to make which, sure that. Which has no, you know, flavor. No flavor. Yeah. And then, oh, triple sec. Well, okay, that's somewhat complimentary to the to the grapefruit that's my that's my liqueur i can use that instead of or i can use that a cane sugar cubes which is actually quite nice uh and <laughs> and then i have to have rosemary in there as well <laughs> so that's quite, that's quite the cocktail <laughs> um not liking this gift so much anymore. I hate this. I hate this game already. I hate this game already. There's, and you're going to do is, this at least, what, 12 more times, according to your prediction? Well, there's going to be some weeks where those they do more than one. <laughs> they, they combine. That's my hope. <laughs> That's my hope. For you, it'll be like every week. Honestly, one, one. though, you know what? If it's every week, if Logan Webb is like just throwing darts and Buster's th just putting up bombs and I'm drinking horrible cocktails, cocktails all year, so be it. So be it. <laughs> Gentlemen, cheers to you. <laughs>